Welcome to the Power Cat Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Now let's go to the Rolling Flint Hills, home of the Cats and Dogs Studio. Here's your host, Tim Fitzgerald. Let me tell you, folks, that music was really loud in the studio. Tim Fitzgerald, Cole Carmody, Zach Carlson, right here in the GPC studio, known as the Cats and Dogs Studio. And that is across town, Ryan Gilbert, who doesn't love us anymore, has decided he's never going to visit again. Never. And the dogs are in here too, but there's no studio cam today because he has the cam that should be the studio cam. And now I'm short of cam, which is on the way. It's very confusing. We're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Um, and make sure whenever you're in Manhattan, you see, we even got their logo down there now. Their logo is on the screen. Make sure you check out the fridge whenever you come to town. They're wonderful people. You know, there's a lot of liquor stores. And I just had an interaction with another business. Um, not a liquor store, just another business. I'll mention them in a second. And it made me realize that uh, for me, it's not just about going in the store and, and having the selection and what I need. It's about the people and the service and what you get. And that is so important to everything the fridge is about. Make sure you check out the fridge whenever you come into town. They've got all your party needs, whether it's alcohol, beer, wine, champagne, which is the accurate way of saying it, and uh, anything your party needs. And uh, that includes Ryan Gilbert. You can rent Ryan Gilbert at the fridge. Hourly rates start at a dollar. A dollar? Well, they tried, dollar? They, they, they tried a dollar fifty and nobody would pay it. So there we huh. are. All right. Um, also, I I'm wearing a shirt and uh Colesy Wolsey's over there wearing our new 24-7 gear. That's not what that's that's not the shirt I'm talking about, Ryan Gilbert. Put your booby down. Thank you. Um <laughs> and uh, but these are all new gear. We're gonna talk about a lot of this, but uh I wanna they didn't pay for this. I just want to say that honor embroidery in Junction City is the bomb. They did such an incredible job, such wonderful service. It's all, you know, you don't have to be in Junk City. You can order your stuff. They can bill you online. One click, you've got it paid with your credit card. It's an amazing uh, setup they have. Honor Embroidery, Junction City. Wonderful people. Let's go on, get going with this podcast. Too many talking ad things. Your questions from Wombat Station. It's Zach Carlson. Of course, these questions are from our subscribers at GoPowerCast. We're going to do basketball in the first half. So from Contra Cat, with six of the next seven games against ranked teams, Oklahoma State's the only one that is not currently, what's an appropriate expectation as this team continues to gel? Gills, I want to hear you on this. I heard, I'm really sorry. I heard next six games are ranked teams, correct? Yeah, six out of seven. Right. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, the question was, I was trying to pull it up on my phone, and then here we are. So. What was the question? I heard Gills. Um, okay, I'll just go. The six out of seven are on the road. Okay. Uh, is that manageable? And, you know, what's a reasonable expectation? I think, you know, look, I'm just going to set my baseline here. What, they're they're four and one. So coming out of this stretch, there'll be 12 of the 18 games in. They'll be two-thirds in. And while it doesn't exactly get easy after this, this is clearly the teeth of the schedule. I mean, you're still going to have another game with KU and all that, but it's clearly the teeth of the schedule. And I think a baseline expe uh, expectation of this would be coming out of this at two and five. So you're six and six. That I mean, that's slow. I know. I get that. I, but you ask reasonable. That's what I think reasonable is. This conference is brutal. 
and this K-State team isn't fully equipped to compete at the level it did last year. So that's my answer. You know, what's a reasonable explanation Explanation or expectation going two and five? And then, guys, after that, anything above that puts you above 500 going into the final third, and it's candy. Folks, if they can steal one this week, it's enormous. And I don't know where that would be. Hilton Coliseum's brutal. Uh, Houston's going to be a, a whole new thing. Uh, we'll find out. Gills? Yeah, I think you said it best, really. Uh, and that's not the expectation that you want to have right? You know, for your program as to, oh, we only got to win two games in this stretch. But you have to be real with yourself. You have to be honest that Kansas State, probably besides that Oklahoma State game, is probably going to be underdogs, I would probably guess, in every other game in this stretch. And so you have to be – you have to be real with yourself. You have to take a step back and say, okay, you know, you can't win every game, especially these games on the road. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Obviously, when you're playing some tough teams, it's really hard to win. But regardless, you have to be real with yourself. So I think Fitz, you really did kind of just say it best. Of course. I I, I, I don't know. I, I don't generally don't know the answer to this question, though, guys, because, like, I feel like we will know so much more a week from today. Right. And I know that's a kind of a cop-out answer because, you know, everyone always wants us to look into our crystal balls and predict the future. That's what we get paid to do. Sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. But I look at this team and, like, I, I keep telling myself, uh, they turn the ball over too much. They don't have very good perimeter shooting. Uh, they don't do this right. They don't do this right. But they just find a way to win. And so I, I think that until they prove that they can't win, I'm not ready to say that, you know, uh, the baseline expectation is that. I mean, who knows? I, I Again, it's so hard because Ames is a tough place to play. Houston is the number four team in the country. No game is going to be easy. But I do believe that they will find a way to steal a game or two that they probably shouldn't. Now, does that mean they might drop one later on down the line? It, it does. But if they go one and one these next two games, they are right in the thick of the Big 12 Conference race. And like there was the Kansas and Cincinnati game last night. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch that game. Kansas is not the Kansas that they have been. Will they be the Kansas at the end of the year? There's a good chance, but they had zero bench points. And I think that might be the team that everybody looks at as probably the favorite right now besides Houston. If K-State finds a way to go one on one of these next two games, there's no reason why they can't be competing for that, uh, at least the upper half of the conference. Now, he said go get to, get to me after this week. And I think there's some – yeah, it's cop-out, okay? Mm -hmm. But I also think, Zach, there's some reality to that because if they go 1-1 one and one this week or somehow 2-0, and oh, that does change that. I mean, we're talking about a stretch over here of three-plus weeks. We're talking about a longer stretch than we've seen so far mm -hmm. in conference play. I mean, seven games puts it past the bye week. Right. We're talking mid-February where K-State's playing TCU at home as that seventh game. But you have home games against OU, home game against KU, home game against TCU and a road game at Oklahoma state. You know, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think you can win three out of four of those games. Just we've seen KU lose on the road at this conference. We've seen, you know, basically everything else. K-State's at the top, you know, at least before yesterday tied for first at four and one. Yes. There's some losses coming up for K-State. I think that it's easy to accept that, but I don't think that Iowa state's, you know, unbeatable. I don't think, you know, I think you look at Houston, that's one where you kind of say, you know what, hope they, you know, compete. But, you know, Houston didn't play a great game against UCF on Saturday. 
Um, very slow, you know, probably a game, a type of game that K-State would want to play. Right. You know, you know, if if K-State can hold Houston to under 70 points, you know, that's that's a good performance from K-State. You get Oklahoma next Tuesday. I think that's a game K-State can win. I mean, that that matches up with, you know, a top 15 team like they beat in Baylor. You know, K-State's done it before. I think they can do it again there. You get Oklahoma State, should be able to take care of business, but, you know, you never know. Um, they go to BYU. New environment again, kind of like Houston, but I don't know if BYU is the tw- number 21 team in the country right now or in the future. So I think that, yes, this stretch of schedule looks you know, very tough for K-State, but, you know, I think that three and four is probably my floor versus two and five over the next seven. Just, I think that K-State can find a way to get that mark, but also potentially exceed it. You know, I think there's some games that, you know, we can find out about this team over the next seven games. And if they win a couple, like you said, that'll change things going forward. What do they say in the NFL? Win your home games and split your road games. If K State does that, they're going to be in the upper half of the be, of the Big Twelve. If you do that in this conference this year, you're going to be at twelve wins. Mm-hmm. You got that a might, chance to win the league. No, hold yep. on. You got hold on. I did bad math. Back, backing up. Let's say thirteen wins. Let's say they win everything at home and go four and five. And yeah, thirteen wins. You got a chance to win this league. Yeah, you're you're not in the upper half. You're in the upper third, mm-hmm. fourth. So yeah, um, if they can protect their home court through this span. Folks are in really good shape because that includes Kansas and yeah. Oklahoma. Who else? Someone else in there. TCU at the end there. Okay. Yep. I mean, they can protect their home court. Yeah. So look, I'm I'm going to be when I give my reasonable ex, uh, expectation. I'm looking at um, they lose to Kansas. Let's just say it. Let's just just say it. And they and they win the other two games and they struggle on the road. I'm going to if they come out of this stretch at 500 in the conference. I'm going to feel okay because I'm being realistic about this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they come out above that, it's all gravy. We'll get more. To in back t- up, yeah. To back up the point about going one and one. And if, if you can do that and just win one game this week, not only does that give you sort of just an advantage with everything that's there, but also in the standings, like Houston very well could be that number one team you're fighting. And so a win over them, you've got a potential upper hand. Uh, same thing with Iowa State. I know that they're maybe not viewed in the same light as Houston, but I know ESPN's BPI ranks Iowa State as number two in the Big 12 right behind Houston. And so you just win one of these games, doesn't matter who it's against, but you potentially, just in the standings, could have a big advantage at the end of, at the, end of the regular season in March. Agreed. We'll get more into the conference at the end of this half, but we'll talk more about K-State here. From Bill Snyder, Clinesdale, the turnovers should have completely derailed this team already, but they're hanging in there. How does that make them even better yet better yet going forward, or does it finally rear its ugly head before they get them under control? Uh, I don't know how they're going to get it under control. They don't have natural ball handlers on the court. Um and when they do have it under control, they're a really good team. That's what's frustrating, and um, and I hope they can figure out how to do it. Cam Carter's got to clean it up. He's just – honestly, at practice, he shouldn't be doing much other than ball handling drills up and down the court under pressure over and over and over because they got to have him be better than what he is. Uh, and I, I we talked about in the insiders. You look at the last three games – 17 turnovers, 17 turnovers, and their two home wins. And again, like you asked the question, 
how did they win those? Well, they won them because they didn't have 18 because that's what they had at Tech. They had 18 turnovers and they lost a game that was a one-possession game. That's the fine line you're walking right now. But if they get it well under 17, this team's going to win a lot of games. They just they just are. That's the simple math of it. Jerome Tang knows it. He's talked about getting it to a dozen or fewer. And if this team does that, you're in for a wild ride. So with Iowa State coming up, I mean, guys, they're 75th in the country with 10.9 turnovers committed a game. So that's, you know, an okay number. That's above average. Most teams would take that, but that's not anything crazy, but still a good number. But they force 11.4 steals a game. That's fourth in the country. And their overall turnover margin is plus 7.7. That is number one in the country. K-State, for reference, is negative at minus 1.7. And so um, K-State's obviously capable of winning a game like this where you go up against a team that excels at something, right? Baylor was number one in the country at the time of that game, and K-State wins that one in overtime. So you can overcome that, but how much of that was just Baylor having an off night shooting the ball? Who knows? I'm sure there was some truth there somewhere in between, but – K-State's going to have his hands full. Um, obviously, you've got to focus on your team. You know, Tyler Perry needs to be better at facilitating and playing as a point guard or Cam Carter. Whoever has the ball in their hands, just don't turn it over. Arthur Kaluma had five of those against uh, Oklahoma State on Saturday, right? So K-State has to value the basketball. At the same time, though, the opponents that K-State's playing in the Big 12, I mean, it's going to be tough to, to not turn the ball over and that's going to be especially true with Iowa State with just how good that they are, uh, you know, applying pressure and denying passes. I think, I think there's something to be said for playing the way K-State plays, though. Like, they like to get a lot of possessions, and I don't have the advanced metrics in front of me. Ryan, I'm sure you would know better than I, but they like to play fast, right? They, they like to – when they get the ball, they like to go and they like to run. And I would be curious at, you know, some of the advanced statistics that Jerome Tang and his staff have that indicate – do most of the turnovers happen or do a higher portion of the turnovers happen when they are in the half court set or when they are getting out in transition? Because it feels like as of late, there hasn't been, you know, oh, the the ball's not really moving around at the top of the key, so we're going to try and force it inside. The ball, you know, gets tipped off of a, a, the hand of Will McNair and out of bounds to the other team. It feels like Cam Carter gets a rebound. He pushes it down. There's uh, maybe they have numbers, maybe they don't, but they're trying to go in and get some fast break points and the ball gets stripped from them and then the other team, you know, gets the ball back. It feels like that's where they commit a lot of turnovers. And I don't think they should stop playing like that. I just think they maybe have to find a way to refine the way they do that. You don't want to completely change the way you play. And if K-State can just find a way to turn it over in those specific situations, because turnovers are going to happen. But if you can find a way to limit those turnovers in transition, I think that's where we'll see a biggest the biggest difference because the difference between a turnover in transition and points in transition can win you games. And so um, that's something that I'm going to watch. Do they turn the ball over when they're in transition or do they finish at the rim and convert those points? That's definitely something to watch ahead of the game on Wednesday. Yeah, Cole, I like how you mentioned don't change the way you play, right? Jerome Tang is always mentioning that. you got to trust the work that you put in. Like David Gasson, for example, I know he was – and this is a different – you know, area of the game. But David Gasson was struggling in the non-conference, wasn't scoring much, and Jerome Tang was always preaching to us in the media settings, right, that, that they're trusting the work that he's putting in. They're trusting what they see in practice. Same thing, could, you know, probably said for Tyler Perry's three-point shooting struggles at times this year. Trust the work that you put in and don't change the way that you play. 
And if Jerome Tang is, you know, Cole, like you mentioned it, don't don't change up things if you don't think it's necessary. If Tang is in the in the belief that this can be corrected without any major changes, then let it be and you know things are gonna work out. So I like I like that point you made. Next question is from Momo Cat. Does it seem like K-State has a problem with playing to their level of competition for good or bad? Gills? Was it on here on one of these podcasts where we said environment might be also true yeah. with uh, the intensity of some of the, these atmospheres? And, yep. you know, Jerome Tang did mention that yesterday at his media uh, availability that his players love to play, um, you know, in a place like Hilton. You know, competitors love those types of admi- environments. And so – I don't know if I have a good answer to this. I'm not going to try to, you know, pull something out of my butt. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, cause K state's played against some good teams played against some bad teams and you could look at different scores. I don't know if that's true, but I still, I still would believe it's more environment based than anything. That's just me. Don't you want to plan up to their competition right now? I mean, like the yeah. Big 12 is so good. So I think that the days of playing down to competition yeah. are kind of behind this team. And right. so I think that you kind of want them to play up to their competition. You kind of want them to play at that level for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I think you can take what you saw in the non-conference, flush it down the toilet, throw it out, because that team has no bearing on what we're seeing right now. The issues that they have right now are self-contained, and the things they do good are pretty self-contained. And so, yeah, I, I really don't put a lot of stock into – playing down or playing up. I think this is a good basketball team and they play with a lot of energy and they're going to have a chance to be in every single game that they play. I, I get the question to a degree because they just kind of quote played down to Oklahoma state, but I'm just going to say this Oklahoma state is winless in the big 12. They're not winless in any other power conference that I've watched there. There's teams that they are be beating. They're winless in this conference because it's so dang good. They're going to beat some teams in Stillwater. And that that is a cautionary tale for Kansas State because that, that's coming up. It bugs me that the return game is so close to the first game. I'd prefer that they'd like be first half and second half of the season, you know, clearly separated, um, particularly when you're not playing everyone. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're going to beat some people. But I, I do see what you're seeing. They certainly did that at times in the non-conference. They started to do that against Nebraska and then decided, now we're going to play down to the competition of the youth teams <laughs> that are in attendance. Um, but uh, they, uh, they they have kind of done that. Um, but I think now that you're in the Big 12, every game is amped. And, and sometimes you're going to spank someone. I mean, K-State did it to UCF. We've seen it. Home teams do that. Uh, but uh, for the most part, these games are competitive no matter who you're playing. I mean, I think- West Virginia – Real quick, I'm sorry. West Virginia and UCF, K-State did not play down to that competition, right? K-State dominated those games. I think K-State won by like 18 points a game was the margin over those two. Um, and then, it, you know, even recently against Baylor, I, guys, K-State won the game, but I don't believe K-State played up to that competition. That was a really ugly game. You mentioned the turnover spits. Like, you know, we have the recency. We remember the Oklahoma State game and how maybe ugly that was, but for as good as K-State played in that game against Baylor, I, they didn't play up to the competition, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I would see what I was going to say is I think that you know them winning that game shows that they did play up to that. Maybe maybe Baylor played a little bit down, but you go back to the environment, saying that you know K-State can play up to the environment. I think that works at home. So a game like KU, a game like OU, 
you know, maybe BYU or TCU, those games, you know, when they come up, you know, I think when K-State's at home against a seemingly better opponent, I think they will, at the very least, play to the level that the other team is playing. They, the other team might be playing down, KC might be up, but I think it works at home, but I think it's an inverse effect on the road. I think this team goes down on Fieldhouse, they probably lose by 10 or 15 points. You know, I think that's, that's the least, reality. Of, at least. That's the reality of just, you know, going to, to hostile environments on the road. And granted, you know, they might have a night here or there where, you know, they're in a, a good environment and they're able to hang out and, and play kind of like they did at Texas Tech. But I wouldn't call that, you know, terribly tough. Um, you know, it was just it was a different game. But um, yeah, I think it, it depends on on where the game's at and, and who's playing. Yep, I agree. Last question from Papa Cat uh, of the first half. You call this conference a beautiful mess. Let's say it continues to be a mess. How in the world does the NCAA selection committee figure it out yeah. if we can't? Yeah. What would work against this conference, by the way, great question, Papa. Uh, what would work against this conference is like a uh, six school six school pileup at like six and 12, seven, mm-hmm. and, ele- seven and 11. Seven and 11 uh, can get you in the tournament some years. But if there's like six schools at that and a few have floated up and a few have floated down, sorting at that middle is going to be challenging. But, um, the good news is, is everyone's dragging everyone upwards in terms of any kind of computer rankings because you're playing each other over and over. You're, you're, you're only playing, you know, level one wins or whatever they're called. What can I think of? Quad that? one wins. Quad Sorry. one. Thank you. Quad level. See, look, if I talk about pods and quads, I get scolded, but the NCAA just uses the quads. There's, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Anyhow, uh, yeah, uh, it is a concern for those last schools in. Will there be a line in which we can say, okay, this decides who's really the better teams in this conference, and there's 10 schools at 7 and 11 or better, 11 schools at 7 and 11, and the rest stink? Then maybe it, it works out. Uh, but the question becomes how many they get in, and then what? how low in the conference win totals will the NCAA selection tournament uh, selection committee for the tournament go? Um, and then that'll that'll sort out. We won't know until the end of the year. For a lack of a better term, Oklahoma State is the only punching bag so far in the conference. And the Big 12 probably needs a they definitely need need a second one. And they probably need a third if they're going to try getting nine or ten teams into the tournament. You cannot have your 12th and 13th seed. Keep beating people. Keep beating people. You can't have them have four or five wins. They yeah. probably need to have two or three, you know. It's there's going to be a lot of parity, unfortunately, and and that's a testament to how tough this league is. But at a certain point, the committee has to draw the line and say seven and eleven was just not good enough because there's eleven other teams that are eight and ten or better. Well, coming into coming into this week, I'm not going to count the Kansas and Cincinnati game last night as we record this, but coming into the week, there were two teams that had four wins. One team that had no wins, one, two, three, four teams that had three wins, and everybody else had two. So a majority of your conference has either is either three and two or two and three. <laughs> We're five games in. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I don't know the last time that the Big 12 was this competitive and this balanced. But 
kind of sorting out some of those teams at the bottom, like you talked about, Zach. You would think Oklahoma State would be that team. You would probably like to say West Virginia would be that next team, but the way they play at home, they can beat anybody. Now, it's going to be a struggle for them to win any road game period in this conference, so I think maybe they'll end up being that team. And I think the other team that's maybe turning that way is Cincinnati, but again, they play all their games close. They were hanging around with KU, and they did not play very well last night. So it's just so hard to say because yeah. right now you have – I mean, Oklahoma State's a talented team. They're 8-10, and 10, but they're a lot better than what the record shows. So every night is literally a battle, and it, it, this is going to be a record year. I don't believe, like, K-State was the first team out of Lenardi's projections, which how can a team be 4-1 and one and 14-4 and four in the best conference in America and be out of the NCAA tournament? He doesn't know what he's doing. To me, that makes no sense. Nobody from the committee's told him what's going on yet, so mm-hmm. he's not very accurate yet. I'll Not to defend Lenardi, but... Like, K-State's resume at this very moment, I get them being on a bubble team. However, if K-State is even remotely, remotely close, if they rem- if they stay on this trend that they're playing over the last five games, they're not going to be a bubble team at all, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think both of those things maybe can be true to an extent. I think K-State, obviously, with its resume, should be in the field of 68. But to say they're a bubble team with what the resume for the entire season – when you look back at maybe how disappointing that USC loss was, because you guys look at USC now, yeah, that's not a good-looking loss. Now, I get it. K-State, the, the, whole, the whole focus on that game wasn't to win. You know, that's not drum tank's focus early on in the year. But to, to defend Lenardi a little bit, I think it's the overall resume. Um, but obviously, if K-State stays on this pace, they'll be just fine. But I want to give you guys a little hot take before we end up first oh, half. Wow. Texas. What a bonus. Yeah. Could Texas be the worst team, guys? They are three points away from being winless in the Big 12 right now. I give them credit. Good teams find ways to win close games, but there's a fine line, as Mike Tomlin always says, from being uh, a pro bowler to being a backup. And so, I mean, we'll see if Texas is free or not. Yeah, I I feel like worrying about how the other team celebrates a victory isn't getting your team better to win. I'd like to know Mm -hmm. that the whole Roddy Terry, uh, not the truth behind it, but I'd love to just be a fly on the wall in that locker room. with what's going on because i mean if, if texas doesn't make that where they they were the elite eight final four last year right they were the way tournament yeah um if they don't go on that deep run i was i think i was of the understanding that they're not going to bring him back but since they went so far you kind of had to but it doesn't from what i remember hearing it didn't seem like he was necessarily our number one choice and counterpoint to me saying that there's only one punching bag right now I don't think there's anybody on the opposite side that is, you know, the, a title winner right now. There is nobody out there. You look at KU every night. I think they can lose any night that they play. It is kind of exciting to watch KU basketball just because this might be one of the worst teams they've had in years. Yep. They might lose two out of their next three guys. They play at Iowa State, home against Oklahoma State, and home versus Houston. And so then the days of live betting KU when they're down six – when and you get right. plus money. Those days are over, you're telling me? Come on. If you get plus money on KU at any time, <laughs> maybe don't. Yeah, I I wouldn't bet on anything in this conference. And I've, I've right. given up sports betting, Gilbert. I'm not really giving up. I'm just on a pause, you know? You know Kinda what like they say. Our, like our Your friendship. next bet that you're about to place that, you know, plus five million parlor. That was going to be the winner. But since you quit, you're not going to make it. You're not going to hit it. Hmm, that doesn't seem like sound advice. Zach, that wasn't sound advice. No, it? please bet responsibly. Bet bet responsibly. That that's all. That's it's only the only guideline. That's it for the first half of the Power Cat podcast.
the questions version brought to you by fridge wholesale liquor on the other side guess what we got more questions from all station i'm fitz across the table for me are zach and cole the guy in the corner is gills and we love him we just don't want to be around him we'll be right back we'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors Please visit The Fridge Wholesale Liquor, located at the corner of Claflin and Westport Road in Manhattan, Kansas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the show. Let's return to the Cats and Dogs studio. And we're back with the second half of the Power Cat Questions podcast for this week. We're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you go check out the fridge. Whenever you're in town, and unfortunately, and unless you're coming to town Saturday for the Kansas State women to play BYU, that's your only home game this week. Guys, I don't like this. I, the men are on the road for two. The women played last night at uh, Baylor. Do we have any questions about the women? No. Okay. Let's amazing just, amazing just, television broadcast in Waco, Oh my by God. the way. I what? turned it on after, so I yeah, didn't they see They had so many technical issues. It was so horrible. I haven't been that mad about a broadcast in a long time. So everyone who wants to complain about ESPN Plus, that was not ESPN Plus. That was FS1. That was over the air, basically, not over the air, over cable um, broadcast. But they probably were using the same people, equipment, that an ESPN Plus Mm -hmm. would do. They're probably using the Baylor in-house stuff just like they do quite often. But bringing their own announcers – and maybe your own director or producer, whatever, but but everything else is in house. That that didn't go well. It didn't go well at all. I did like how they cut from the Seton Hall and whoever St. John's women's game that was going to overtime. They cut from that game and said, if you want to watch overtime, you can go to FS2. But if you want to watch a top 15 matchup between Baylor and K-State, you can stay right here on this channel. I've never That's seen usually that. not how it works. I've never seen that. Yeah, well, first of all, it usually doesn't. Usually it's K-State getting dumped yeah. over. Uh, but, yeah, that was kind of funny. Was that Missy Decker-Heidrick on the call of that game? I think N- she was. No, no, she was not on the call. It was... uh, the St. John's game. Oh, oh, on St. John's. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I wasn't watching. Uh, I know. I don't know. <laughs> but, anyhow, what a win by the women. Um, a shout-out uh, to Jeff Meddy. That was an incredible coaching job. Every time he called a timeout, it seemed like he had something drawn up for his team to score. Uh, the play uh, – I'm going to talk about this on my daily delivery – the play in which it came out isolated uh, Gabby, and mm-hmm. she backed someone down and got the end one. That was that was straight off the bench. That was straight mm-hmm. off um, being called. It was beautiful. And congratulations to the women. They keep rising in the rankings to number four. You, you got through your first two games without your All-American, and you won them both, including a road game against a ranked team. Well done. It's, nope. it's Num- impressive. Number it's, two in the coaches pool, by the way. Yeah, that's it's incredible. Yeah. They're, they're just it's really amazing what they're doing right now. Next up is your questions from Wild Bass Station. Take it away. From Call Me T22, throwbacks notwithstanding, what was the best basketball uniform era? He mentions the cat scratch era, mm-hmm. the spraddling era with the side stripes, the 
Dean, the, the Dean Cam and Barry era short panels. What should be the next standard home and road set? And what should they look like? Now, Zach is not a fan of the Serpentine, which, you know, it's kind of played out a little bit. But if you guys look over your shoulder, the, the Beasley and Brown one behind you, mm-hmm. I, I love that. Mostly because it's there's not a lot going on. I'm a clean uniform guy. I don't want a sh- bunch of stripes. I don't want a bunch of stuff. You give me logos, numbers, colors. I'm not a big fan of what they got now with all the swooshes and stuff on the pants. Just give me some stripes. Just give me a traditional look. Maybe that goes with my age or my era, but I think basketball uniforms have gone through a really ugly phase. I mean, again, there's another shot up there. You can see it just beyond Zach's head of the Jacob Pullen. It looks like he's in all white, but he's got purple K-State and a purple number. It's badass. I love those uniforms. And, and I hope they continue to plug in these kind of throwback traditional things, but find a really sound, beautiful base uniform uh, to keep in the future that uh, will someday be seen as a throwback. Mm. Uh, because none of these uniforms from all the – cat scratches and all that stuff not another one of those is going to surface as a as a some kind of throwback uniform they're trash just trash here's the thing yep trash exactly okay the cat scratch will come back as a throwback one day maybe the cat scratch will come back in part of a throwback but that uniform as a whole no no I don't mind the cat scratch heck i'm using it on some of our podcasts now Mm -hmm. um it's a good filler for that era perfectly encapsulates k-state basketball like the rebirth of k-state basketball that's that's why they will go and make that again i don't know if like you said i don't know if it'll be a full throwback but i think the cat scratch wasn't my problem after 25 years which we're coming up on what 15 16 eh, it's beyond that it's we're coming up on 20 years i feel like a 20 20th anniversary throwback would be nice but what i want to see is the wildcat script become more of a base look and put put power cat get rid of the the old school willie i'm not going to call it what everybody calls it because it's stupid because he's never done that he's never done that willie doesn't do drugs we don't condone that on here um but yeah put power cats on them you know lavender trim it's great but just expand that look a little bit well you know what zach uh on the way to Ames tomorrow or today depending on when people are watching listening to this have gills do some research on the ncaa uniform requirements i want to put me to work when i'm on the road in the car yeah hold on hold on i'm sorry you muting him i muted him okay um uh, okay (laughs) he wasn't gonna have a he wasn't gonna have an opinion about uniforms anyway we know those are his favorite things um yeah Try to figure out if they got to have that number in a certain yeah, spot. Yeah, I look. I looked this up a few weeks ago. Oh, it's got to be center. Like it's got to be. Oh, sorry. It's got to be somewhere in the in the middle. You can't have an offset or you know diagonal text down it with a number somewhere else. Okay, so I had a just a brief conversation about this. I was in the hallway with basketball coaches, and they've got the logos up there. And I asked Coach Tang, "What's your favorite?" His favorite is Pennant Willie. I ask him why, and he goes, because it says K-State, and when you say K-State, everyone knows it. Hmm. And I shared with him our Google right. information that this is just a weird thing. You you, you don't Google search. You, you don't, for Google purposes, you put in Kansas State. Nobody searches K-State, which I was baffled by. Um, 
but he he said what everyone else says when you're the state institution. Kansas, off camera, state. And he doesn't like that, and I'm with him. So maybe just smaller that says Kansas and state. I mean, do it like the Oklahoma City Thunder do. Everything's above the number. West Virginia does it too. Everything's above the number. You can make it work. You can make two words work. My my vote is if you go watch the women's basketball games, take those uniforms and make them in the style for men's and just use those because what they have right now is beautiful. It's perfect. It works. And keep your alternates, but use those base uniforms as your base uniforms with the script. And it doesn't look like a throwback, but it's modern and it's clean and I love it a lot. What's the new, the new uniforms they have, which I love? They're not black. They're gray. anthracite. Anthracite. Thank you. They're, I they're somehow like knew you would be the person that would remember that color. That's what Nike calls it. Anthracite. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. But that's probably. It's a dark gray. I love it. I love it. It's yeah. light, light black. Is it is. Light black is really what it's anthracite light black. is. Yeah, it's, cool. is. it's very cool. It's cooler than Ryan Gilbert. I'm going to I'm going to unmute him. He's let unmuted. Him is he? Yeah, he's unmuted. No, he's not, he's just, uh, can you hear oh. me? Yeah. Yeah, we can't hear you. Okay. You've been unmuted for a long out, time. Huh? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to tell you you're muted because you apparently yeah. shut up. <laughs> right? That's all you got to do. Man, I have no... Cole, Thank you lived you. with me for like two years. Right? You know how I feel about this uh, just this topic. Next. That's, that's my answer. Gills I just win the clothes. game and I don't care what you're wearing. I really don't. As long as you're not wearing... Like what Baylor, like neon green or Oregon, or like have a blue turf, like Boise State. I don't care. Just go out and win your games. I don't care what you're wearing. That's Tom has very teal. Tom has very sure. teal. Bring it back. Bring it back. Hey. Thank you, dude. Yeah. Always one per show. Got to get the shake in. Um, yeah, I, I think they can do some really cool stuff. And Jerome Tang and the players want to do cool stuff with uniforms. Uh, they'll be much more conservative on the football side. Uh, I, it's been an interesting social experiment because someone did a mock-up of Deuce Vaughn in a purple pants and a lavender top and a lavender helmet. And honestly, uh, the purple was too dark, but it was more like the purple of the basketball purple shorts. They're really dark. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, but boy, I got one of the Facebook groups got a hold of that and it was 80% no. You do that on other platforms, it's 80% yes. It's, yeah. The generational differences here is amazing. I don't really want lavender uniforms in, in football. I get that. But I wouldn't mind having uh, lavender stripes, lavender accents. And if I hear one more person say lavender is in the school color, I'm going to go on a murder spree, a small one. As I don't know what constitutes a spree, but if that's like two Three, I don't know. It's going to be a small one. Folks, silver isn't a color, a school color. They wear it every football game, and the helmets are silver. That's not a school color. In fact, officially, the only school color, but white's in the fight zone. Doesn't matter. The only official school color is royal purple, and and white's in the fight zone. If that's all you want, great. And they change the Pantone occasionally. Yeah, they even change like, the color of purple. Like it, it might be royal purple, but the Pantone switches every once in a while. We have our own. We actually have our own purple at Go Cat. We don't use their purple because we don't think it shows up right on the internet. So that purple we use is a little bit brighter than the K State purple. So you're saying you would not do a basketball tribute one-off football uniform? Basketball tribute one-off football uniform. Well, that's you got words. 
No, I'm just my mind is blown thinking about that. Yeah, a one-off. It was, it's a one-off. Lavender tops, purple pants. Here's football, what other people missed on basketball that, on that Facebook group. It's like we need to stick with our uniform. Nobody's saying you wear these every game, folks. They're called alternates. You wear them like once a year or maybe once. You know, it's just how it works. You wear them once and you sell them at auction and you raise right. money. To give those people the benefit of the doubt right now, though, K-State uses old Willie. I'm not going to call it by what the fans call it. They have overused that way too much. They've gotten away from the power cat more than they should, in my opinion. In basketball or overall? Overall. I think the, that that Willie Wildcat logo needs to go back to the vault for a little bit. The pennant Willie. No. The nose. C Willie. Nose candy Willie. Yes. We've been talking about uniforms for 10 minutes. I think we need to get Austin Carpenter, who's on staff, who's in charge of uniforms. We need to get him on the show here. I mean, Kellis Robinette asked her own thing about uniforms on Monday, and he told us he was colorblind and said, you guys need to interview Austin Carpenter. So maybe even give us some insight and analysis on uniforms. Call me, man. Call me, Carp. Call me. Uh, Next question is from came to elevate with the pending court case now forcing the NCAA to currently allow players to transfer more than once and immediately be eligible. Does K-State need to worry about a guy like Arthur Kaluma or others leaving at the end of this season for more NIL money than K-State can pay? Hey. Well, no, he's going to the NBA. He's I, after yeah. seeing him develop his game a little bit here in Manhattan. And I, I watched his Creighton highlights. He was good. He's already ready for the NBA. He, this dude is an NBA player. Mm-hmm. I'll jump in real quick. Go ahead. I was Go ahead. actually texting with an NBA scout just the other day, right about what? Kaluma. Yeah, what are the odds? But he said it was about a 50-50 shot that Kaluma goes NBA or stays for one more year. So I'll disagree with you on that, Fitz. I'm not, I don't think it's a lock that he's gone after this year. But continue. Interesting. I think he's ready. I think he's I think his game's more ready than Keontae. Once he stretches that three-point shot out a little bit further, but it's fair. Um, it's fair. Yeah, I don't. I don't see him going anywhere. I don't think Art's worried about nil. I think he's worried about NBA. Yeah, I mean that's what right. Tang always talks about, right? Like he always says, we're not we're not worried about the guys who can, you know, who want to make the most money. We're worried about the guys who want to make the most money after college. And and this is maybe maybe a bad thing to say, but guys, when I watched Texas Tech play and I saw Joe Tucson out there running around for Texas Tech. I just deep down, I'm like, I almost was kind of happy that he didn't end up choosing K-State because, you know, if, if that's the kind of player that would have been in the locker room at K-State, the way he plays the game, I think would be very frustrating for a lot of fans. It'd be very frustrating for the coaching staff. And, you know, if, if a player is solely worried about how much money they can make in one final season, mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, recruit as a freshman, it's completely different. What's your what's your NIO value as a freshman? You have to weigh all your options. I totally get that. But for one final season, to me, I don't necessarily think that's the kind of person you want. And so if there is a player who wants to test their NIO value and hit the transfer portal, that person probably wasn't going to be a very successful player at K-State anyway. That's no, he wouldn't guys, he would not have been at K-State in the first place. Right. For if you came here for NIL, he, he would not be at Kansas State University. Yep. And and I just want to, I want to point out to everyone that I know this transfer thing. So guys can transfer every year, gals too, um, sucks. But this is all court driven, and 
it's been the inability of the NCAA to come up with some some guidelines, some you know barriers here to keep everyone online. It's just been they've gotten frustrated because they keep losing court cases because they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing, and then they just throw up their hand and say, "Well, we're not going to do anything then." Um, so th really, it it isn't the courts causing this; it's the NCAA not trying to find a way to work with the courts and coming up with solutions that are causing the NIL, the transfer portal, and this unlimited transfers. Uh, it's, it's an awful mess, uh, but uh, it is the way it is, and just get used to it. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when free agency hit Major League Baseball. I knew every player on the Royals, every player's stats on the Royals, because it was the same guys for five years some would retire, some would get cut, someone would come up and be young, but it's the same core. There was no free agency. It was great for fans. It sucked for the guys on the field. And now free agency has made them all very wealthy, and it's going to increase the, the amount of money that college players can make through their NIL arrangements. Uh, but I also think they need to have some guidelines on what is NIL. And I don't know how the courts will view that, but they they need to keep pushing and, and find a way to win some court cases so uh, basically this whole speech was get your crap together ncaa do something for better or worse i think that college sports fandom is very much now win this year and next year doesn't exist i think you need to you know es essentially even football for, for the most part, I think just the way the transfer portal is, you can go find guys. If you really wanted to, you could buy an entire roster for millions of dollars and compete for the playoff year in, right. year out. Like that's just the reality right now. And there's going to be very few teams that are capable of doing that. And, you know, the other option is you got to recruit and develop really good out of high school. There's a balancing act here, but at the same time, if kids can leave after one year, if they're unhappy, and now what you're seeing with, you know, in football, you know, K-State players are going upwards. They're landing upwards in the transfer portal. What well, you know, it's it's a new thing for K-State fans to kind of have this sense of worry about, you know, players going somewhere else because, you know, we're K-State, we don't have the NIL money. Like, I just, you got to just accept each season for what it is, I think. And, you know, enjoy the guys that are here right now. And next year will come next year. Yeah. You know, it's just the, the fandom has changed. And we saw that with football this year. You know, the fans were clamoring for Avery Johnson. Play Avery Johnson now or else he'll go elsewhere. Granted, that, that's a whole other argument. Avery is more than ready. Mm -hmm. He is a generational talent. And he's going to help you win football games for multiple years. But that, that's kind of my point is, now matters more than next year. And, and it always will be. I don't think there's going to be rebuilding years. Every year, you know, your rebuilding year is you have a bunch of new guys that you got out of the portal and you're going to win now. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just, I don't think you can be worried about losing guys either to the NBA, the NFL, the transfer portal because of NIL. Like it's just, you know, you are, you're, you are what you are, own what you are. And, but now you got to recognize that, you know, more the now matters more than the future i think looking back in hindsight you might look back at oh this was a rebuilding year because kansas state won the big 12 the following year like in hindsight you're going to have some of those seasons but yes in the moment in the current i agree zach there's not going to be that that sort of rebuild that you know 
we're used to seeing in the past. There's just too many options out there available to grow, grab from the portal and stuff that those rebuilding years in the moment are going to be really not, not a thing anymore. Next question's from Itain Bibi, moving to football. Will Will Howard start a game or most games or every game next season at Ohio State? Well, barring injury, I think he'll start most. I mean, folks, this is a this player coming in is a f- true freshman. So it is Avery all over again. But I mean, I, I don't think they brought him in and paying him to sit on the bench. So I, and, unless he's bad, I again I'm going to be really blunt here. Will didn't like to be held accountable for his bad play. He played like crap at Oklahoma State and got mad because, and he did because Avery saw playing time the next week. I mean, every quarterback is held accountable for their mistakes. And you get to a level where you've proven yourself enough where you can be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen and throw three picks in a game and you're not held accountable because they have a track record on you and know what you can do. Will didn't have that long track record. He had like a half a season last year and some of this season. And there was always a fear that he would go back. He would revert. I don't think he will, but the game at Oklahoma State made us all question that, including the coaches and his teammates in the locker room. If he avoids that, he's going to play. He's going to play incredibly well for Ohio State. He'll have better weapons around him. His team's just going to be better than everyone else. And that wasn't the case at K-State. He just They had to go out and win every game. They're in the Big Ten. Half the conference is absolute crap. <laughs> They're going to win a lot of games. And, and, and he's going to rack up some stats. And the freshman might play. I can't even remember his name. I don't care what his name is. I don't care about Ohio State football. So uh, the only thing I care about is Will Howard being successful because I like him. I, I think he's a good kid. I think he just gets too much in his emotions, whether it's celebrating on the field after beating Oklahoma State in Manhattan or taking the lumps after losing to Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Those were the two ends of the spectrum of Will Howard and his emotions. Great, loves it. I mean, those were that was classic when he was being carried off the field against Oklahoma State. But he didn't understand why he was being held accountable for not playing well the next year at Oklahoma State. And that, that goes with the job, Will. It just goes with the job. Fitz, <clears throat> would you say that the Kansas State media is general, generally pretty so I don't want to say soft. Pretty understanding. Understand, yeah, understanding. Right. They, there's not a lot of they're not going to come in and grill you and ask questions that you are that everyone already knows the answer to right, right. just to get a just to get a response they're, they're out not going to do gotcha questions right do that kind of, yeah. so you would agree that yeah fairly, i would agree too i know okay. you didn't ask for my opinion cole Thanks, I agree. Yeah. all right um i would ask, also ask this <laughs> to everyone colin klein is not a screamer. Nope. Colin Klein is not a yeller. Colin nope. Klein is not a cusser. Agreed? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know where you're going. Okay. Well, Will had to deal with Avery. He had to deal with that quarterback controversy, and he had all of those other things, including the fan base, who I would also like to agree was fairly understanding as well. Mm-hmm. Did they want Avery to play? Sure, they did. But there was a lot of people that stood up for Will Howard. Ooh. Well, I would say a lot less than what you're saying or implying. Well, what I'm going to okay. imply is that he goes to Ohio State and literally everything changes. Mm-hmm. You go from Colin Klein, who doesn't say anything, to Bill O'Brien, who is notorious Awful. for cussing out every single player. Yep. 
Yep. You go from the Kansas State fan base, who you thought they were bad, go look at Ohio State Twitter. Go look at Ohio State Twitter. You tell me. On top of that, you have, I, I don't know how much more media covers Ohio State than, than we do, but I would imagine a lot more media members cover Ohio State than that cover K-State. And so everything is being amplified. And Will was under pressure a lot here at K-State, and I get that. It's quarterback. And, yeah, and maybe going to Ohio State – he doesn't have to worry as much, but I have this fear deep down that because he's going there and because he understands all these things are lined up, if he starts to play bad, it just might all come crashing down. And I hope it doesn't because I want Will to be successful. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of my take on it. You're going from one end of the spectrum. If you couldn't handle it, how are you going to be able to handle it on the complete opposite end of the spectrum? Mm-hmm. And maybe he can. I think there's a chance he can, but it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. And and I don't know what Ohio State's schedule is going to be next year, but in years past, Ohio State has definitely had, you know, an upward, you know, the slope go, it gets harder as you go. You're going up towards that Michigan game every year. And there's a lot of, a lot more building steps. I don't know if, you know, Will Howard had that in the Big 12 at K State. You were playing OU that second, maybe even first game of the year having to you know go from non-con straight into to the grind there wasn't a day off in the big 12 and i think that that probably will make him a little bit better of a quarterback in the big 10 at ohio state but at the same time he's not going to have to deal with that either i don't know what who's on their schedule but i'm going to name off the indianas the illinois the purdues you know there's a lot the northwesterns of the world there are a lot of bad football teams that ohio state gets to play every year before they get to play Michigan. And that changes. They've got Washington and Oregon and USC and UCLA in the conference now. Yeah, that's going to change. But it's, you know, it's this one season that Ohio State has with Will Howard. I think it's going to be a little bit different and, you know, it'll be manageable for him. I pulled it up. And and I'm going to be honest here. The Big Ten added three out of four more competitive football programs than exist throughout their conference, at least right now. Nebraska was good when they went in the conference, but they fell apart. USC, Oregon, Washington boost everyone's schedules. So how you fall on that it kind of is how you fall on the schedule of the strength of schedule. Here's Ohio State. Really, uh, they amped up their non-conference schedule. Come on. You're a power five powerhouse program. Akron, Western Michigan, and Marshall do better than that. That's horrible. Hey, those are some regional teams. They really did. <laughs> those are some bus rides I that know, they have to pay for. They don't have to pay for flights. Uh, they're going to go to Michigan State, win. Go to Iowa. Well, I don't know. It'll be 10 to 7. I don't know who wins. Uh, hold on. They don't go to – don't. excuse me. That's in uh, – It's in Columbus. In Columbus. Uh, they play Oregon mm-hmm. uh, in Eugene. They then play Nebraska at home. Oh, I'll say it's at home. They go to Penn State. Uh, Purdue, Northwestern, Indiana. There's the gauntlet. Purdue, Northwestern, Indiana. You don't get that in the Big 12. There's no three teams you can string together, even in this expanded conference. And those are all road games, right? Except for uh, Purdue. Yeah. Okay. No, hold on. No, no, no. And Indiana's uh, at home. Yeah. The only one on the road is Northwestern. In the oh, okay. Then Never they've mind. got Michigan coming in to finish the season. I'm sorry. They, they've got... They've got six wins at the start and, and towards the end of the season right there. You're bowl eligible even if you're not a good football team. That's just, I, look, I'll accept that if it's Indiana. I'll accept that if it's 
anybody but Ohio State, Michigan, and Purdue in the in what is now the Big Ten, not the new school. I'll accept that. You're trying to build. You're Ohio State. You're Ohio State. Put one Power Five non-conference game on that schedule, please. Oh, they moved the schedule. I don't care. You're Ohio State. You call someone up, say, hey, you want to play one in Chicago? Yeah. We'll delay the Arizona game. Kansas State's on the way. No. <laughs> I want yeah, to play. I want to play Arizona now. Not too far. Right? <laughs> I, I take it all back. But yeah, look, uh, that's exactly it. Come on, that was a long. Was a, last yeah, okay. Last question of the podcast from Lavender Crew. I believe he's new. Well, that's or nice. she. That's a good name. Lavender Crew. Welcome, Lavender Crew. With the departure of veterans like Philip Brooks and Seth Porter, it seems like the Cats could struggle again with special teams. What do they need to do to return to form this year? They need to stay healthy. Um, they need to return to the roots of mixing in frontline players more. You just, you got to do it. You just got to do it. I mean, um, or, or just, you know, roll with the young guys. Say you own this. None of you are red shirting. You all own this. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, they did that in the bowl game because anyone could play in the bowl game. I love that rule change by the NCAA. And uh, it doesn't count towards your eligibility unless you're red shirting. I mean, if you, well, like a traditional red shirt, you know, you, you like can't, you can't play, any play a sixth game. Right. Or well, a, a no, fifth. No, you can't play any games if you're like a certain red shirt. So, oh, right. Gotcha. Can't play any games. But if you're a four game red shirt, it doesn't count. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, th I love that. And most of the guys on special teams were a lot of young guys. And they did really good, by the Ty way. Ty Bowman had an incredible play. And they should have had a, they should have had a return, yeah. a punt return that got called back on a horrible block in the back call. So, yeah, I'm with you. Just. That, that's another thing the NCAA needs to address is they need to get more uniform on how they're calling these things. Yeah. Because if your helmet's on someone's side or in front, you're not blocking in the back. And why an official doesn't know that is beyond me. And why they didn't huddle up and say, no, that, that guy's helmet wasn't in back. He was on the side. It's just amazing. They were too busy looking If at there's the going to be video replay for anything, any sort of foul, I feel like that should be. It should be if there's a scoring play like that, that's a very valid yeah. point. If you are calling a penalty on a scoring play, go back and make sure that it really was a block in the back or a hold. Mm -hmm. Like soccer gets it right now, or mostly right, doing VAR on you know on scoring plays. You know, if there was a foul, you know, by the goal scorer or whatever, they'll call off the goal. In like, fairness, that only happens once every couple of weeks. It's okay. They do that in basketball too. Think about but, what happened with right. Vasan's three pointer. They said, "Oh no, you got well, fouled before he shot it." Yeah, that's ah, that was different. They did call that on the floor. Oh, did they? Yeah. Didn't they review it? Did well, they reviewed so, it. So, yeah. so what, what happened they was, it, yeah. they reviewed what it. happened was they called the, he shot it. The, the ref called the foul, but he said shots away, shots away. Mm -hmm. And then they did go back to go look to confirm that it was or wasn't, but they did call it that he got it off and it was separately. So but here's they did my, go back and look. This is what I'm sorry about this getting off the question now because this is my problem with how they rule that and they ruled it properly. They got that call mm -hmm. right by the rule book. I think the rule book needs to be altered. I think in cases like that, they're treating the whistle like the end of the game buzzer. It's got to be off your hands. Yes. It's a foul. It's a foul. It should be like any other foul on a shot. The foul can occur, but if you're in the shooting motion, it should count. I mean, I, 
I don't know why they say, okay, on every other foul, there is the shooting motion continues. But on these fouls, no. It is a, that doesn't make sense to me. But they caught, they got it right. They did get it right by the rule book. We went from David Gasson three-pointers, or we went from K-State football special teams to David Gasson three-pointers. You're welcome. With, with all due respect, back to the question, with all due respect to Philip Brooks and Seth Porter, losing them this year, I don't think it matters. I, they this was by far the worst special teams year God, can you imagine without for Seth, two though? decades. Yeah. Yes, even without Seth, yes, would have been worse. But you know, I think it's it's good that you get to see some new new options, some new weapons. You know, new guys that are going to go out there and prove themselves on special teams. It's exciting because you know K State's had this long tradition of you know that's what they're about. And it's time to return to that. And you're going to see, you know, whoever goes out there, they're going to give it their best. So. Pat Bowman is up next, by the way. He's the next. Next guy to own next, special teams. Yep. I love it. It's yep. a great K-State tradition. Goes back. The to answer my- to this question, guys, is focus on it. Practice it. Put an emphasis on it. K-State takes pride in being special teams you, right? At Seth Porter, and you mentioned it. Philip Brooks, these guys are very replaceable um, throughout the years. Case, I mean, that's you don't you know how many walk-ons were on special teams, right? It's not about the talent or the guy there; it's about the effort that you put into it. And so, as long as K State continues to to work on it more than any other team in the Big Twelve, which I'd bet you money they do, if you work on it more than anybody else, then you're going to be just fine, regardless of which players you may have lost from the previous year. And I'd like to really see them dig into their depth and try to find someone that maybe doesn't play that much but might be a great kickoff returner or a punt returner. You know, someone that maybe maybe it's a backup defensive back that can run like you-know-what. And if he can catch the ball cleanly on a regular basis like DJ Reed did, there's your guy. Then when the offense goes out, your kick returner just goes to the sideline. So, yeah, they got to get better at special teams, period, end of story. They just do. They, You know, the, the place kicking has got to get solidified, and I think it will. Um, Ponte, the whole thing. I just want, I want better special teams, and it makes a difference for Kansas State in winning and losing. No other way to look at Agreed. it. Agreed. That's it for this week's Powercat podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you watched on YouTube. I, I kind of like this setup. Welcome back, Cole. It's good mm. to have you. Mm. Snow days are good days yes. if you're a teacher. It's not just if you're a kid. It's uh, it's it's good. The boys got to leave for Ames here uh, in the morning. We're going to put this up as soon as possible, and I'm going to go take a nap. That's the end of the podcast. This has been a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. Please support this show by subscribing to this YouTube channel or follow us on your favorite podcast platform.